It's WNRI's Upfront. The opinions expressed represent those only of the panel and callers and do not reflect the views of WNRI and its owners. Telephone lines are now open at 7690600. And now, let's join the Upfront panel. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Upfront program for this uh, Tuesday morning. I'm Roger, and uh, on uh, days after a council meeting, we have a council member on rotation joining us. And there was a council meeting last night that got canceled. And uh, But uh, still, uh, we uh, invited uh, John Ward to uh, join us, and, um, and so he is in studio with us. Hello, sir, and tell us what happened last night. Nothing. Good, good morning. Good morning, everyone. Um, nothing happened. Actually, what we, what we had a problem with was the elevator... As I entered the building, um, the elevator had a tag on it that said out of order. Mm -hmm. And it occurred to me that you can't have a meeting on a third floor in accordance with um, ADA guidelines if you don't have an elevator or access to the third floor. And so as I got up to the, I was heading up the stairs, the council president called and we discussed quickly whether or not we could even have a legal meeting. I suggested he talk with the solicitor and he did. And by the time we got up to the to Harris Hall by 7 o'clock, it was determined that the elevator was not in service. I'm going to say not in service, not out of order, because my understanding is some people actually got on the elevator and used it, but apparently it was more about a safety issue because there might have been some slippage in the gears or the the uh, the, what lay, the cables or something where it was skipping somehow, and so they took it offline um, for safety reasons, and so we could not have a meeting because we could not comply with ADA requirements, and the meeting was delayed until and has been rescheduled for next Monday at the same time. Well, listening to that scenario, I don't know if you heard about the Providence uh, elevator. No. Uh, but uh, let me uh, dig back on that story uh, because it's a very uh, short story. But uh, nonetheless, uh, an interesting one and coincidental uh, story. But uh, yesterday, uh, here it is. Um, elevator falls two floors in Providence City Hall. And uh, Channel uh, 6 reporting, an elevator inside Providence City Hall fell two floors after getting stuck Monday. The uh, director of communications at City Hall said the elevator became stuck and fell two floors before it reopened. Officials said a vendor was able to remedy the issue. There was one person in the elevator, but no injuries were reported. Nope. So, uh, uh, so two city halls, yeah, uh, less two, than uh, fifteen miles apart, having uh, elevator issues. Well, anyway, nice to have you here, oh, it's a pleasure. here on the program. Excuse me. And now that I'm retired, I don't have to rush off to work after. I can. That is true. Hey, uh, before we get into uh, other city issues that were not on the agenda, let's. Make believe there was a city council meeting last night. I was looking at the agenda. I was telling folks here in the radio station that this was one of the quietest looking agendas that I've seen in a long, long time. And uh, that may have to do with uh, summertime and uh, and looking at agendas over the years. Uh, you know, things uh, do get a little quieter in the summer. But in looking at the agenda, did you see anything that would have uh, drawn any uh, significant interest last night? Um I don't know that it would have drawn any significant interest to anybody looking at just the agenda. However, the inner innards of some of these things could have turned it into a lengthy meeting. There's some things that are that I need to speak with the public works director about. There's some things that I need to talk to the tax assessor about related to the abatements and some of the things that are being done there. Um, it, it is, it's a long agenda for sure. Mm -hmm. And so there may have been questions on things uh, that could have stretched it out over some time. I don't know that there was terribly contentious things on there, um, though there may have been. But, you know, I had a fairly thick package of material, including my list of mm -hmm. emails for which I have not received a response. And I put it on in that frame framework because that's basically an expression of my frustration where I send emails asking for an opinion or requesting information or asking about how things have transpired and and i it's not that i get a response that's not really satisfactory or that's contentious it's more that i simply get crickets nothing mm -hmm. no you don't response. get any response no sir. response and mm -hmm. so i decided that the best way for me to uh to communicate it is write at a public meeting when the 
television cameras are running. And I guess it's a notice to those who won't respond to me that the risk is to them that I will be calling them out in a very public way. All right. Well, let's um, let's go to uh, that part of the meeting. Uh, if you look at the agenda, John Ward was expected to uh, address a few issues uh, last night. So uh, why don't you uh, take the uh, issues one by one and at least pose the questions that uh, you would have answered and uh, hopefully uh, got some Oh, you would have asked and got some answers to. Question number one. Question number one had to do with a constitutional question. And in the past, I've, I've sort of been asked to just sort of, you know, let sleeping dogs lie. But ever since the Cranston case went to the state Supreme Court about First Amendment rights for people who are panhandling on street corners, and it was determined that it's within their free speech rights to go out on street corners and panhandle, um, I always questioned whether or not our tag day ordinance was something that was legal to put requirements on people to go out there in terms of what kind of clothing they wear, what kind of notification they give on with signage. They have to pay a fee. They can only act in a certain way. And I, it was a simple question, and I'm not sure the solicitor is going to answer it, but it's just how does our tag day license requirement stack up against the constitutional question of whether people can be out there on the corner without notifying anybody or getting any permission and i've i've seen a couple of times in the last year some people out on the street corner that i know had not sought permission or gotten a permit to be out there but i didn't know whether they anyone ever sent the police out to get them off the the intersections or if they were left alone and so I thought I would raise the question and hope to get an answer, which I have not. And well, maybe, maybe I will, maybe I won't. Can we consider tag days themselves where they do get a license as, uh, shall we say, um, legalized, sophisticated panhandlers? Well, <laughs> <laughs> it's a fundraising mechanism. And, it, you know, I, I think if you go back to its origins, it really started with the, um, the veterans organizations. Mm -hmm, with the poppy, the, days. Corners, the poppy days? Poppy uh days. -huh. And... Uh, and then Jerry Lewis Telethon came in, and the firefighters started going out with their boot campaign. And then Little League started sending kids out until they said, kids can't be out there, it's not safe. Um, and <clears throat> so, yeah, it, it's a sophisticated means of fundraising and what you might characterize as panhandling. But it's, uh, it's, there's a risk associated with it. But I've never seen a record of any, of, any car accidents with pedestrians that are panhandling. It's... Uh, it's just one of those things that I, I don't know whether we can extract money from people and re make requirements about how they handle themselves. Out no, many there. communities uh, ban hand, uh, uh, they, tag days altogether. Well, they, they just don't they, have them. They do, but that doesn't stop people from going out on mm -hmm. the street corner because down in Cranston, somebody took it to court. And the court said you can't stop them from doing it. Mm -hmm. um, I know that the one exception I can think of is Johnston, where their firefighters do their boot campaign. And I'm sure they have to get council permission. They may have to get state permission. I'm not sure. Because they literally stand in the center of the intersection of Route 6 and um, Atwood Avenue, Route 5. Mm -hmm. And they stand under the streetlights in the middle of the road with their boots. I don't know if that constitutes panhandling on a corner. That's a, a little more intense. Going on to another issue, sure. Scott Smith is uh, president of the local firefighters union. He was... Uh, requesting an opportunity to speak to the city council. Can you tell us what is going on with the city and the firefighters uh, contract? Why uh, uh, why he would want to address the council and uh, is, is there an issue going on? Well, there is an issue going on and apparently they're headed for arbitration or in arbitration. We have um, an attorney representing the city and we have an, the, another attorney working on the issue that is not our solicitor. He's a labor specialist and works with Vinnie Ragasta. And we're probably paying a lot of money. I know uh, one of the councilmen asked for an accounting, and I've asked for an accounting of how much money we've spent on that and received no answer. Um, it's uh, it's in dispute. The, the negotiation's ongoing or is in arbitration. And I'm sure he wanted to express his feelings about what the union was was offering to accept and how the negotiations have gone. And it's been fairly quiet from the perspective of discussions with attorneys from the city council side of things and uh he must have a feeling about where he thinks it should go and i was kind of looking forward to hearing from him 
This is the Upfront program. We're interviewing John Ward, member of the Woonsocket City Council. It is a talk show. And so, therefore, if you want to call, you can. He's here in the studio. He'll answer your questions or comment on anything you would like him to comment on. Or you can send us an email up front at WNRI.com. A little bit earlier, you mentioned tax abatements. Is there an issue going on with people? You see the list all the time. Uh, this guy, this guy's getting this and this person is getting that and so forth. Uh, this company is getting this big chunk of money. Um, What's going on with uh, abatements that you would be interested in at a former finance director? Well, the, the part that I appreciate is the fact that the new tax assessor is, gener- is in reality a full-time tax assessor sitting in the office doing his job, something that hasn't happened for four or five years. And, and this is the result of doing the job is it's cleaning up a lot of junk that wasn't taken care of properly over the last few years and needed to be cleaned up in terms of some of those larger abatements were issues that were associated with the Tax Assessment Board of Review, uh, the uh, court cases and decisions having been made and then the bill going out the next year without having the correction made for those assessment adjustments. And so he has to abate the change again. Um, but I commend him. He's been diligent in doing his work, and he's been cleaning up the ta- what I'd say is cleaning up the tax rolls. And so we have to do abatements, both large and small, um, cleaning out a lot of the old accounts the, uh, for motor vehicles. Um, after ten years, there's a statute of limitations, so anything that's over ten years old, in theory, he has to go identify and and just uh, write off as uncollectible. And we've had a very large uncollectible reserve because so much has been over 10 years old that's never collectible and um, so I commend him for doing uh, hard work and getting this cleaned up and that's why there'll be a few more months of these large-scale abatements, and then they'll go away, I would think, and go back to normal. Now, he's rattling the cage a little bit uh, with uh, resurrecting the uh, tax payments for nonprofits. Maybe you can put that into perspective for us. Are there some agencies in Woonsocket that are getting away with uh, uh, not paying taxes uh, when they uh, should? Uh, I guess some people are acting like uh, full-blown restaurants and so so forth, so uh, therefore... uh, Maybe uh, they should be taxed. Uh, any comment on that, sir? Yes. Well, that's that's an issue that's arisen because the tax assessor, in doing his job properly, noted that the agreements in place for nonprofits <clears throat> and some of the social clubs had run out. And so he simply sent them a tax bill at full value because they had been determined to be not qualified for um, tax exemption, despite them being nonprofit organizations. They're not automatically exempt from property tax and tangible tax, though they are exempt from sales tax. Um, so he sent out a bill. They were taken off, off thrown off balance and contacted the city and city council people wondering what's going on and immediately petitioned to get their agreements reinstated. And so the council president and um, the tax assessor agreed that we'll hold special meetings with these, first with the nonprofit organization, second with these um, social clubs that, that, as you say, to a certain extent, are running retail operations. And actually, since they started receiving a tax bill under the agreements, actually started increasing those operations in order to generate revenue to help them pay the taxes. Um, in any case, they, they are not tax exempt under the law. And so it's not a question of whether we like them or don't like them and want to hurt them or don't want to hurt them. It's a matter of following the law. And in doing that, um, they, they have to get a bill or they have to come make a compelling argument to the city why they should have a reduced bill because of what they offer the community and do for the community. Or, um, or whether they believe strongly enough and the council agrees that maybe they should get no bill, which is allowed for the council to decide. So those will be done individually? Those will be done mm-hmm. probably groups. Like mm-hmm. I would say things like Seven Hills and kind of Community Care Alliance and that type mm-hmm. will come together as one type of group. And then another group would be the places like the Elks Club and the Italian Workmen's Club and St. Joseph's Veterans, etc. It's not a matter of a lot of money, though. It, uh, it seems to be a matter of whether it's just uh, righteous or not, huh? Yes, there's, there's that. And many of these organizations, um, I mean, under the law, these social clubs are used to be based upon being fraternal organizations that were derived to benefit or created to benefit the members or in, some, in most cases their fundraising 
and their exemption came from the fact that if they were assisting indigent families that were members of their group or, or suffering families, much of it coming out of times that were harder times like the Depression and stuff when the laws were written back in the 30s. And so it's never really changed to account for other things, although there's certain veterans groups that have national charters that may exempt them. But, um, but that's another thing I think that the tax assessor needs to do is if somebody has a national charter exemption, we should get a copy of whatever the national document is mm -hmm. that, that charters them as exempt from all taxation. Uh, and one example of it, a couple of examples, I believe the YMCA is that way and the, um, the Boys Club, Boys and Girls Clubs, is, is nationally chartered and exempt from taxation because of that. And then the state can, uh, can exempt them like the stadium yes. theater. Well, Right? The state can, like well, Mount Saint one of the things. One of the things that I pushed for and advocated for, and Senator Cody took up as the challenge of, was bringing the stadium theater to the state to get a law passed specifically for the stadium to exempt their properties from taxation, and that was an argument of less about some generosity to the city and more about how they were an economic development mover by bringing people into the city from outside the city and exposing them to other businesses like the restaurants and other retail operations in the city. And because they were generating so much more economic activity, that, that was, it merited them being exempt from tax in order to make sure that they had maximum resource to go out and promote themselves and bring people into town. And finally on this issue, it puts uh, local restaurant owners in a tough spot. They don't want to be critical of uh, these organizations because, uh, I mean, who wants to criticize an organization that, uh, you know, is a, you know, serves a community and donates money and things like that. But nonetheless, it still cuts into their business. It, it's got it's got to cut into their business. There's um, and I, I and they're very quiet about it. Yes. Well, I mean, every one of these social clubs, if you're once you become a member, um, you go in there and you're you're sitting at the bar buying a drink, you're going in there, you're buying a meal. And so those are things that people would otherwise, not all of them necessarily, but many of them would otherwise go to local restaurants and, mm -hmm. and lounges and, and avail themselves of a few cocktails and a little bit of bite to eat. Kind and of a touchy issue, huh? It is a touchy issue because you're on, you got, on the one hand, you've got the, like you say, the, the regular businesses operating trying to make money. On the other hand, the nonprofits that are trying to raise enough revenue so that they can generously sponsor baseball teams and donate to good causes over time. Let's get to some other stuff here. Uh, Sandra says, uh, good morning, Roger and John. First, I'd like to relay how good it is to hear John on up front. Very pleased for his complete recovery. Congrats on your retirement, John, but hope you stick around on the council for a while. I refer to John as the lone council warrior. Looking forward to uh, hearing next Monday's meeting. All right, so let's talk about uh, uh, your retirement and your recovery. Thank you, Sandra. Um, yes, my recovery is as complete as it's going to get. I went to the cardiologist just last Thursday, and he checked me out, and he checked all the test results and checked everything that's going on, and I just finished the um, cardiac rehab down at Landmark on Cass Avenue, uh, where you go every Monday, Wednesday, Friday for 12 weeks, and you get you get yourself into an exercise program so that you can be slim and trim and fit like Roger Bouchard. And I'm finished with all of that. And I've basically been told by the doctor to go out and live my life. Everything is as it should be. I was very fortunate that the only problem I had was the valve. And it was replaced with a fresh new valve from Elsie. And, um, and I'm in good shape and ready to go and probably healthier than I have been for the last 15 years. So does this call for, uh, even though you finished uh, on Cass Avenue, uh, wouldn't they call for more exercise uh, on oh. your own and, and diet change oh, and, and losing weight? Absolutely. And quite frankly, I'm, I'm on my way there. I'm actually 17 pounds less than I was the day I went in for the operation. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm gradually getting down to what I one of my targets. The first target I want to reach, I always strive for, is to get back down to that weight that I was the day I quit smoking, mm -hmm. and that was quite some time ago. That was like 1991 that I quit smoking, and I weighed a certain weight then, and, and I'm very close to achieving that. And then it'll be a matter of getting down to the uh, the weight I was um, before I had my first child. <laughs> And uh, 
And if I lose any more weight below that, people will think I'm in trouble and dying. And what about her comment, hope you stick around on the council for a while? Well, that's, uh, as long as it's fun. I mean, you like, you like to think that you're having a good time. Um, I'm finding it interesting. I'm finding it challenging. I'm finding it frustrating because I'm sort of blocked out and I'm part of a minority. Um, but, you know, as I, as I said when this whole session started, it's, uh, it's um, a group that was elected working with the mayor. And um, it doesn't, you know, like it happened in 2013, 14, 15, it doesn't take long before uh, people start thinking that they'd rather think for themselves. And differences of opinion and start rising. And Are you seeing that difference there. of opinion oh, yes, among the council members? Uh-huh. And, um, I just take it from the position that I debate the issues based upon what I believe is in the best interest of the city, and we see where it goes. Hello there. What would you like to uh, ask uh, John Ward or comment on, please? Well, I have a question and then a statement, depending on the answer. <laughs> First of all, I just want to say, Mr. Ward, I did vote for you. You're the Thank only you. council man... Well, actually, there was one other besides you. There's, I voted for two people on the council that got on. All Good. my other votes, they didn't get on. So, at least I got two guys on there. You were one of them. Uh, That's better than I Roger. He says everyone he votes for always loses. Right, right. That's what happens to me all the time. Mm-hmm. I, I barely ever, ever get someone elected, or I help get someone elected that I want. I, I know the 90% feeling. of the time, I fail. Um, but my question is, the Champs Liquors, what's the address they want to move to? Oh. Uh, they're in, they're going to want to go to Diamond Hill Road, right? Uh, 20, uh, 2000 Diamond Hill Road. In one of the, yeah. That's in the shopping center. That's in the shopping center. I yeah. believe that's Walnut Hill at 2000. That is Walnut Hill, yeah. 2000. Yeah, yeah okay, I, I, okay, good. Because I just want to confirm what I've been hearing, and that, that, that jives. Okay, I live on Diamond Hill Road, I mean, and I you, don't want I don't want Champs Liquor down my end of the neighborhood. Keep it where it is. I think it. I think it would be coming um, up to my end of the neighborhood. I think uh, you get a feel for them. I think I do not think that they were happy with that Clinton Street location, uh, and I think what they wanted to do uh, is move to where there used to be a liquor store. There used to be Walnut yes. Hill Liquors uh, yes. uh, many years ago, so this is not uh, like uh, anything different. It's a retail center. Um, it's private. And I, I would absolutely think the council would be crazy not to approve that's, that. That's a, um, that's a much better situation for them yeah. in terms of a retail establishment. I'm not sure <clears throat> what the location is in terms of square footage, but mm-hmm. it's a very compact space they're in right now that doesn't offer them a lot of chance to display a lot of material. And so if they have an opportunity to expand their size um, and not being in the residential neighborhood or one of these small strip malls that's right next door to residential property, as both plazas are, uh, out in pure commercial areas. I know, as Roger said, there was a Walnut Hill Liquors and there was a liquor store in Woonsocket Plaza right right near the, right where the dollar store is now Mm -hmm. um, when that first opened back in the 70s. And... uh, I, I remember speaking with the gentleman from New York who was running the operation. And so if you're going to have that kind of operation, I think it's probably better where you've got this huge parking lot and it will not have as much of the, um, how shall we say? Uh, I'm, not, I'm not talking about the Transient cops. population role. <laughs> I'm through. talking about the undesirables. Do you see how filthy... And messy it is in front of that store. That filth well, and mess is that's why they're moving. The <laughs> Haven't you figured why, that out? That's why they're leaving. <laughs> that's why yeah, they're if moving. You, if you go into a plaza, <laughs> nobody's nobody's going to walk from from World War II Park up the up the Diamond Hill Road. It'll be people who are commuters or driving, yeah. or people who go to Planet I, Fitness. I hope you're right, Mister Ward. No, I, I just really hope you're that. right. I don't want, I don't want to see that lifestyle on my end of no, Diamond Hill. Road. I don't no, think no, you no, will. No. I think they're no. going to turn into a regular liquor store there. <laughs> Okay, very good. Yeah, then. I'm, no, I'm satisfied, and, and, and I'm happy with your decision. Uh, I'm, if you guys I'm, think it's best, yeah, I think I think they will be very happy up there because, as I said, in terms of square footage, if they got the right space, they can put on a much better presentation. They will attract a um, a different set of clientele. Right. And, People who want to buy a bottle of wine. <laughs> and they'll help they'll help move the traffic up into yeah. the Diamond Hill area, which yeah. is actually but very you, good for the you, other businesses. There's a liquor store across the street from Seasons at that corner, you know, with a very small parking lot near a pizza place. Yes, there is. Now, the movement of Champs will affect that liquor store. Yes, it will. 
I'm sure. Yeah, of so, course it will. You know, and that's that's competition. I, I know purpose. I know that I would rather pull into a parking lot that I could easily get in and mm -hmm. out of, which is the new location that you're talking about, as compared to. See, I go to that liquor store near my house. The only thing I don't like about it is is the parking space. The parking. You got to back out onto Mendon Hill Road yeah, sometimes or whatever, and I don't I don't like that, but. That's going to affect his business and essentially put him out of business. Now, I have no horse in that race. I don't even know the owner. I don't know who these people are. But, you know, if you, it seems to me that if Champs moves to a big location down there on Diamond Hill, it's going to have an effect on that other smaller liquor store. It, it, it will. absolutely will. That's the nature <laughs> no of question capitalism. About it. Right. There, is, there are seven restaurants are within a quarter mile of each other right there on Diamond Hill Road. When a new one moves in, it affects everybody else. There's only so many uh, hungry, uh, hungry mouths to go around. Thank you, sir. Okay, Appreciate gentlemen. It. Well, I, I prefer the social clubs to eat. Thank okay. you very much, and God bless you. All right. Okay. All right. He likes to eat at the social clubs. All, All right. right. I get it. And All right. Hey, uh, one of our listeners says, uh, last night's meeting was canceled because of an elevator being out of order. Apparently, the elevator in City Hall was out of order yesterday, too. Uh, were these shenanigans going on? <laughs> Writes our caller. All right. Thank you, caller. Well, I... Probably uh, think it's coincidental. I think it's coincidental. I'm not going to attribute it to anything that Stubby K would host. You are on the upfront program on WNRI. You know what? We didn't do any commercials yet. No. I don't know what's uh, what's the matter with me. So you want a uh, list? Yeah, let's. Um, I've got the list. Okay. All I have to do is uh, play them. Stop so them. today is Tuesday. That means our good friends from uh, CMN. CMM Picture Frame and Gallery in Woonsocket is in the Park Square Florist Building, front entrance, lower level. Mark Morell says, we're very affordable. I try to be creative in all my work. Basically, the main thing is custom picture framing with a quality touch. We use quality products. We do full photo restorations. We do collages. We do things like newspaper articles and photo collages. And we're also an art gallery. Paintings on display for sale by Mark himself and other local artists. Nice to of prints and special occasion prints. Have a special project. Talk to Mark to make it happen. Open Tuesday through Friday, 10 to 4, Saturdays 10 to 2, 401-487-8938 and converse with Mark. He's a friendly guy. Check out what we're all about by pulling up our website, cmmpictureframeandgallery.com. Charles Mark Morell, proprietor. Hey, uh, we are happy to announce... That uh, there are early bird specials now at Savini's Pomodoro Italian Kitchen and Bar. This is Tuesday through um, through Fridays from uh, four until uh, five thirty, and the price is eleven ninety nine dine in only. And uh, so when you get the early bird specials menu Tuesday through Friday. At 4 o'clock, uh, there is uh, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. There are about a dozen items here to choose from, including, uh, for instance, uh, fish and chips, if you want, or uh, baked haddock. And then on the right-hand side of the menu are the uh, sides, including a side salad or mashed potatoes or, you know, things like that, and uh, pasta. And and it's eleven ninety nine Tuesday through Friday from four to five thirty at Savini's Pomodoro Italian Kitchen and Bar, and then in the uh, dining room uh, at Savini's on Tuesday night half price for bottles of wine. That's number two, and number three um, oysters are available uh, between uh, four and six for a buck at Savini's and Ciro's uh, for that matter. So if you're looking for a nice dining experience starting at four today, including the early bird specials, may I highly recommend um, Savini's Pomodoro, Italian Kitchen and Bar, right here in Woonsocket, Rhode Island. All right, now time to check in with Scott McGee, the real estate guy. Are you ready? Scott McGee of REMAX Properties brings his years of real estate experience to you, whether buying or selling. Check out this property currently on the market from the McGee team. Well, we're going to uh, 29 Zeon Street up in uh, Boroughville, and uh, this is uh, one of those prices uh, that uh, catches the eye. $299 for this uh, beautiful uh, two-bedroom uh, uh, and it has um, one full bath and one half bath. Uh, and uh, Scott writes in his little note to me, uh, Welcome home. This charming two-bedroom house offers the epitome 
of modern comfort and style, meticulously renovated, this property presents an irresistible blend of classic charm and contemporary features. Step inside to discover a stunning kitchen adorned with sleek quartz countertops and a stylish tile back splash and convenient island complete with a built-in microwave there's so many many uh opportunities here uh to uh, say this is the house i want and it's in boroughville and you can schedule a viewing today by calling uh, 639-2906 and scott mcgee would be more than happy to uh, show this property to you all right, and um, I'm sorry I I was get, I got carried away with John Ward in the studio. I forgot to do my commercials. I just want to remind you about the Honey Shop here in Woonsocket. Uh, they're located on Upper Park Avenue, and uh, it's a, it's a lot of different things at one time. Uh, it's a, it's a gift shop if you want. Yeah, you can go in there and uh, and find all kinds of nice items, and and of course you can buy honey, <laughs> and you can buy um, uh, health foods and gourmet foods and very popular classes too let's take a look at a few of the classes uh anything uh, coming up uh, in the near 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 future uh, uh yeah how about september 1 we have authentic italian cuisine cooking class that'll be at 5 30 it's a friday and then on september 8th at 5 30 on a friday cooking asian style and uh, so, uh, and that's, you know, with uh, maybe uh, make yourself a nice Thai coconut soup or uh, maybe you uh, may uh, want to make some lo mein. Any, anyway, they'll show you how to do it with this nice cooking class. And Kathy uh, runs it. And if you want more information, 766-1488, 766-1488. We are the Honey Shop and we're here in Woonsocket, Rhode Island. And we would love to see you at one of our classes. You're listening to WNRI's Upfront, a radio internet talk show. Now, let's get back to the panel. We have a caller waiting, uh, but uh, anything that you wanted to bring up, because uh, it is uh, your your interview, and uh, there, there might be something uh, like, um, like maybe uh, you filed um, a complaint recently, right? I uh, did, yes. Yes, did. you filed a complaint, and I wanted to know how that complaint is going. Anybody paying attention to it? Um, not enough. Uh, the Attorney General did. They sent a notice to the city to respond a little over a month ago, and the response was required within 10 days, and that didn't happen, and it still hasn't happened yet. Um, they sent another notice just yesterday saying, hey, we didn't get a response to the complaint from the city solicitor. You now have five days, or we will simply consider the complaint on its own merits. And so they're still waiting for a response from the city. What kind of a complaint was it, Mr. It was an open meetings violation. It had to do with the fact that there was a closed session called for, and there was an item that was simply listed as personnel issues. And when the discussion, there were two items. One had to do with some litigation, which was appropriate. And we had that conversation first. And then it switched to this personnel issue. And at the outset of the discussion of the personnel issue, it became clear that the mayor intended to bring up my social media presence and some of the comments I make and how detrimental they are to the city, um, judging by what she was saying as a lead-up to where my name popped up on a screen on, on a Facebook comment or a Twitter comment or some other comment. And as soon as I saw my name, I realizing what was going on, I immediately said that uh, called for a point of order and expressed to the council president that we were in violation of the Open Meetings Act for a couple of reasons. One is, um, if you are going to discuss a personnel issue, first it has to be someone who's actually classified as personnel, which elected officials are not, who are elected and are paid a stipend. They're not covered by personnel ordinances. And the second one is the fact that if you're going to discuss an individual in a closed executive session, you have to notify them in advance offer them the opportunity to have the conversation held in public. Um, that was not done, so there were two actual violations involved that were precipitated by the mayor's desire to to um, advise the council about my detrimental impact on the city. And so uh, the meeting was suspended immediately, and it was shut down and didn't get held. I left the room, and I filed an open meeting violation because I didn't think it appropriate that they simply be allowed to get away with that kind of ambush. If the city uh, violated the open meetings, uh, what kind of penalty uh, could be associated with that? Technically, it could be a slap on the wrist and simply advising them not to do it again, but Socket has done it fairly regularly 
Um, over the last course of the last 10 years, there have been several violations. Uh, the Attorney General's office could make decisions that could lead to fi- up to fines, and I'm not sure the dollar limits, whether it's 1000 or 5000 but there are there is a capacity for them to issue fines related to that if it's egregious and, um, and is a continuing problem uh, of a similar nature to what's occurred in the past. Um, this one I thought was a little unique, so I'm not sure how they're going to rule. I'm more interested in just having it pointed out to the public that, that in fact, this was the kind of ambush they sprung on me and i'm not sure what kind of ambush that is because i use my real name on social media people know that i post many controversial things i also post many articles that i think are worthy of reading and discussing and i hope i welcome discussion and debate and so i don't you know and if i think something that the administration is doing is detrimental to the city and i say it i don't consider that detrimental to the city i consider that um, my ability to critique my government, which is one of our most fundamental rights. One of the things that uh, the uh, administration probably doesn't like you uh, uh, bringing out is the uh, parade of uh, people leaving city government. And, uh, and so, therefore, uh, maybe you could comment on that before we grab our call. Is there uh, an exodus of, uh, of personnel or are they able to keep up with the uh, resignations? Well, I, I, there, there has been a turnover that is highly unusual in comparison to other communities um, in certain positions many of the positions as Jim Canoyer used to love to or as I say Councilman Canoyer used to point out um, have to do with people who are actually leaving to make less money somewhere else in similar positions because the, um, the situations that they're presented with in terms of oversight and, and criticism in their jobs and, and function uh, are more than cons- what normal people would consider bearable, understandable, or or appropriate. And so they are pressured to the point where they simply feel it's in their best interest to leave. And then we hire someone else and we go through the cycle. And um, and there, there has been a large number of vacancies historically, consistently, over time in City Hall. And it's very difficult. It took years to, we went through three different tax assessors or yes three different tax assessors before we got to mr pagliarini um and between elise parry and mr pagliarini and there has not been someone watching that store for full time and properly for at least a full four or five years uh four years anyway and um and the same thing is now happening in finance with this four positions maybe that are vacant according to their latest report and we have a new finance director, and they've sort of flipped the system there. Um, I'm looking forward to them being fully staffed up. And there are there are issues about how how people are treated, and people different people get different treatment depending on who they are. And so there's a lot of mm-hmm. angst in the office, and it causes causes short shortages. And you've commented about I have that I on Facebook and. And that's why you were called out. I, that's possibly one of the reasons I was called out, and I will continue to do so because I don't think it's in our best interest. I mean, I've got issues in those emails I was talking about that include labor issues mm-hmm. and the proper treatment of employees in terms of compensation and payments and other things that I think are... And I've even got other inquiries out at the state level that I'm not prepared to share at this moment to see if they do something with them over other issues, and we'll see where those things go. I think you ought to get in line, John. Wow. Yeah, come on. Stop causing all that trouble for the mayor. Roger, be careful. You'll be considered as sarcastic as I am if you keep that up. Oh, yeah, I don't want to do that. Hello there. What would you like to ask, Mr. Ward? (laughs) Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Enjoy listening to you. Um, Is there a way, I mean, there's just too much monkey business. Is there a way we can figure out I don't even know how to put this. Who is responsible for the elevator? Who is responsible for repairing the elevator? And how do we... Because the the elevator wasn't broken, Mr. Ward. I was sitting on the stair recovering from walking up the stairs. I am handicapped. And I watched, I witnessed four employees. So now I'm concerned for their safety. The sign was there all day long, but they were using it all day long. Well... I I only saw the sign when I got there, and I'll take it on, on your word that, that it was there all day long, because are you still working on early voting? 
in City Hall? Oh, no, I'm not no? allowed to work in the city. Oh, okay. I was barred from the city. <laughs> okay. I'm working in Providence with, um, with, with, Mr. Uh, with Michael. Yes. Okay. All right, let's talk about elevators for a second. Can I, can I talk no, about elevators? Uh, sure. Yeah, so over at the senior center, we have an elevator. And I, I think the city has contracts Contract, yes, with Otis contract. Elevator Company. You, you uh, have to have a licensed right. service and company. So what happens is that nobody in City Hall is in charge of the elevators per se. When something goes wrong with the elevator, and no matter what city building it is, you call these companies because you can't fix those elevators right. without know. them coming in to fix them. You're and not so, allowed to. You have right. to have a licensed elevator right. service operator. So until Otis comes in and says the all clear... Uh, right. I, no, I, you I shouldn't use it. That. that doesn't mean the elevator doesn't work. That means it can work, but uh, well, you're doing it at your own a, risk. As, as I alluded to, I don't know enough about what occurred, but if there was any kind of slippage, like Roger described in the Providence City Hall, where it slipped and dropped a couple of floors instead of working properly, it you know, I heard somebody had said that there was something about it skipping. I don't know what skipping means, but I've been in elevators, and I've been in that elevator where you're going up and it sort of bumps as mm -hmm. you're going up and it, it jerks and, right. and you have to wonder okay is the next move going to be me hitting the floor two stories down um you just don't know and if it if it if it was the sign on it i can't presume that it's not operating but right. i also can't presume that it's not something that is enough of a safety concern that they've contacted the elevator repair company I and they are for safety and insurance reasons, keeping people off the elevator. Yeah, I would have called, called um, off the meeting you know, myself uh, because you can't. Know, I'm, I'm, I'm worried about the safety of our employees yeah, and right. in the city. Nobody should be using that elevator until uh, Otis no. comes in and says, says the elevator is okay. Correct. Now, and, that, and if there were employees using it, um, they may have been using it without... Um, at their own risk. At their own risk. <laughs> well, you, there's no such thing as at their own risk, actually. Yeah. It's, it's more like if their employees... The, the fact that it says out of order means yeah. that it's an order that you stay out. Well, at your own <laughs> risk means two things, though. One is, I think you're referring to liability. At your own risk is just my own personal oh, uh, that's true. my own personal injury. Uh, your own I, personal I don't care about the insurance. I don't want to be in a elevator that drops a couple of floors. But, but if, you are, if you are an employee and you push that button and you get on that elevator and you're injured, it's on-the-job injury covered by workers' comp because... There is a capability to shut power off to that elevator so that hmm. if you push the button, nothing would happen. And so if it's going to be, be out of order, I would think somebody should have had a key to be able to step into that box, turn the key, shut it down. And what would generally, frequently, what happens is um, where the car sits, sits there with a sign saying out of order with the door open... So that exactly. you know it's not going to move, and then every other floor, the outside door is incapable of opening. Right. Okay. Enough on the elevator. Anything else? So, what did you want to know about early election? No, I'm not. I'm no, not no, really. no. I, I didn't know if you no. were still involved in the in working okay. the no, polling case. No, I've been barred from the city after yeah. 40 years of working the polls. Yeah, we So heard. I will be working in Providence with um, three other people from the city, as a matter of fact, coming with me. So no. it's really hard to get people to work the polls, and they're not very welcoming to people working the polls. Good luck. And especially highly experienced ones like me. I say thank you to anybody who works the polls because it's a thankless job. It's a lot of hours, and it's um, it's tedious work that needs to get done by somebody in order for our elections to be held. Appreciate the time. We've got to move to a commercial. Be right back. This is the Upfront Program. So what's in your appetite? At Grumpy's in South Bellingham, their menu is so expensive, we can satisfy any taste. You may want to try a Grumpy Signature Burger. There are 12 to choose from. And if you like seafood, try our broiled seafood sampler of haddock, scallop, shrimp, lobster, and a stuffed quahog to go along. And you might want to check out our Taste of Italy, too, from eggplant, parmesan, spaghetti and meatballs, and many other Italian choices. And you may want to try a Grumpy sirloin steak, filet mignon, or a Bourbon Street steak tip dinner, all char-broiled to your taste perfection. And we have a nightly menu special and also weekend specials. Kitchen open Friday and Saturday till midnight. Restaurant open seven days a week. It's time to make it a Grumpy's experience today. Luncheon's starting at $6.99 and starting at 
at noontime every day of the week at Grumpy's. Kay Akasha, your accounting, financial planning, tax preparation, and business consulting services of Woonsocket and Warwick. 600 Cass Avenue, Woonsocket, Jefferson Boulevard, and Warwick. Call us locally at 766-8100. Remember, outside of the tax season, we do planning for business, individuals, and families. We're Kay Akasha. We're certified public accountants. Again, our local number, 766-8100. And remember, having Kay Akasha to consult with on your personal financial situation is like having all the right answers. When you look your best, you feel your best. Visit Face First at 501 Great Road in North Smithfield, Rhode Island and say hello to owner Jane Friedis. We are proud of our spacious and aesthetically pleasing decor. Face First offers skincare treatments, microneedling, Botox, and more. Call or text for an appointment today at 401-556-0605. So many choices for an important seat in the U.S. Congress, 1st District. Meet and greet the candidates in person and talk with them one-on-one. WNRI Radio and the Valley Breeze invite you to the Mill Race Event Center, former Mulvey Hardware Location, Market Square, Wednesday, August 30th from 6 to 7.30 p.m. All candidates have been invited to attend, the Democrats and Republicans, on the ballot September 5th. Light refreshments, courtesy of Lil General Convenience Stores, this is a free event. There will be no speeches, just a meet and greet the candidates face-to-face. And uh, all of them have agreed. Uh, I don't think there's uh, somebody who isn't coming to that event on Wednesday, August 30th. You're listening to WNRI's Upfront, a radio internet talk show. Now, let's get back to the panel. The only, body, only person not running for Congress in the 1st Congressional District is our guest, John Ward. And uh, so... I might, have to run, be, I might have to do a writing campaign. What will you be r- running for in the in the future? Are you ever going to be mayor? Do you ever think, think about that uh, now that you're a healthy should, guy? Actually, looking at what's going on at the presidential level, I should run for president. Yes. Well, I asked about mayor, though. <laughs> I know. That's what I avoided. I know. Well, back to the question. I'm trying to be a politician right. here. Tomorrow when the mayor properly. is coming, I'm going to ask her if she's going to seek re-election. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Ask her that. So um, are you going to seek... Re- I'll commit to nothing at this point. All right. I understand. I didn't expect a, a scoop on that topic. I'll get back to the <sighs> meat-based protein versus vegetable-based protein, meat-based being better for you. All right. What about uh, what about real estate and the city? Uh, we've got uh, uh, we've got Cumberland Street, uh, the uh, Viola Barad building. We've got All Saints property. Uh, we've got property on Hamlet Avenue. Talk about real estate and where you think we're going with that. You mean Winsocket, the Winsocket Realty Corporation, yes. otherwise known as the City of Winsocket? Yes. Uh, so we're it looks just, like you're on just, your way to answering that question. We're just wheeling and dealing in real estate every meeting, it seems like. We, we want to buy property. We want to sell property. We want it, to. They claim it's about economic development. You know, we, we, we took a property from a guy who was a legitimate bidder on 181 Cumberland Street with the intention of using it for public works to the water department employees temporarily. And now within four weeks of closing on the deal, um, they want to sell the property because there's somebody interested that's running a business that needs the office space and they want to sell it with some accommodation to allow the water treatment people to work there, the water department people to work there. Uh, temporarily, I still haven't figured out why it's not possible to just do some cleanup at one of the properties at All Saints property and work out of those buildings because they're available. Um, but I guess, you know, ask the question. I'm sure I'll get a long answer about all the reasons why I'm stupid and don't know what I'm talking about. And they've got the right answers. And so we buy that. They're looking to buy the public safety complex that other than the chief's who are sort of required to give an answer. I've yet to find somebody who didn't think it would be more appropriate that we actually do a site survey around the city and see what's in the best interest, like most communities do, like the city used to do before it was decided that the mayor would be the only one to make decisions about where facilities should go. Um, And so they're looking to buy the land where the French Worcester was, a public safety complex, and... There's just all kinds of land deals going on to eliminate blight, which is actually part of a gentrification program to get rid of affordable housing and put in more $400,000 houses in other neighborhoods and uh, sort of push away the low-income people from the city and um, do that kind of transition to a different, more upscale community. 
in the city of Woonsocket. And I am OHO, in my humble opinion. You may not appreciate this unkind comment, but don't you think we have our fair share of low-income yes, people? Yes, we do. Mm-hmm. We do. We have, we have a fair share. I'm just, I'm just saying it. It's, there's, there's never, there's never, there's never an overarching plan discussed about what the end game is and what the result is. It's like the River Street acquisitions that, you know, when you ask what is it you see on River Street when you're through buying up all these properties and clearing all these houses, what is the mayor's vision for what's going to be there? And that's never discussed. Um, and, and so it, it becomes difficult to to be agreeable with acquiring these properties in some cases because you just you're never given a sense of what the plan is it's just we need to do this we're out of time do you have a final statement you want to make no i thank you for the time well, then i'll, I'll get to, to another question back. then what about all saints then what uh, about all saints uh, i think uh, it would be a great place for the mayoral academy high school it's a perfect size lot for it they could mm-hmm. they could build their building they could uh, have their play space they could have some parking okay. What about the uh, school in uh, Dunn Park? Are you um, for that? I think we we could take a small portion of Dunn Park to put an elementary school, mm-hmm. but apparently they want to put a complex that's going to suck up the entire park space and and not have a park except for Costa Park and maybe some much smaller parks so there's no large play field for kids who are living in that area like they have in Burnin, like they have at the North End, and like they have... For a while, anyway, at Cass Park. Do kids use playgrounds anymore? Oh, yes. I, uh, my observation is, oh, no. Oh, I not a lot. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it depends on the neighborhood. Vernon uh-huh. Park, there's I no... I mean, ch- I'm all over the city. Burn- I don't see the kids I'll, I'll, there. I'll give you a contrast. Yeah. Um, I believe the ones at, um, in the North End, the mm-hmm. park in the North End, has trees. It's, it's shaded. Cold Spring, yeah. Cold Spring Park. It's yeah. a shaded area. The playground is well used. Mm-hmm. Uh, There are more parents who maybe are non-working parents who can go to the park with the kids. And if you go to Burn Park, it's out in the middle of the sun. So in hot summer days, there is absolutely no shade. And so very few kids are out there using it. But it does get used, um, somewhat used. Thank you for being with us. That's it for our show. The mayor tomorrow, don't forget to listen. I won't. I'm sure she'll have... uh Something to say about something, right? Yes. All right. Good Very day. Good. WNRI Winsocket, Rhode Island, 9 o'clock in the morning. There will be no author's hour today.